Welcome to Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region. I'm Amy Spreeman. Today we're tackling the big topic of transportation in the valley, the needs, the gaps, and the dreams we have for improving public transit, roads, and our vast network of trails. Like many communities, the Fox Valley does face challenges in making transportation accessible for all, including rural residents, seniors, people who are new to our area and culture who speak different languages, and people with physical and cognitive disabilities. We want to bring you some voices behind solving the gaps and finding creative solutions. First, what does transportation even mean? We might think we know, but as always, it's good to define how we get from one place to another and what it takes to make that happen efficiently, cost-effectively, and for all. Our first stop today is with the East Central Wisconsin Regional Planning Commission, created in 1972. Let's find out what it does. We're now joined by Kim Biederman. She is the Principal Transportation Planner and Regional Bicycle and Pedestrian Coordinator for the East Central Wisconsin Regional Planning Commission. That is a mouthful, but she is here with us. Kim, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. Well, why don't we start by sharing what the East Central Wisconsin Regional Planning Commission is all about and uh, whom you serve, because I'm guessing that many of our listeners aren't real familiar. Yeah, so uh, we are based in Menasha, Wisconsin, but we are actually a region-wide planning agency with seven member counties. Our core areas include economic development, regional comprehensive planning, water quality management planning, and transportation planning. We also have a non-metallic mining reclamation program, a geographic information system department. So they're the folks who do all the data visualization and a lot of the great graphics that we see in the work that we do. Um, And then we also work with communities on local contracts as the need arises for those services. Our largest program, and as mentioned, the area I work in is our transportation planning program. This program serves three large urban areas, uh, which are also known as metropolitan planning organizations, a regional transportation program, and then a regional Safe Routes to School program. Uh, Much of the work that we do is regional in nature, uh, so we provide the basic information and planning services that are necessary to solve problems that transcend those corporate and municipal boundaries that we often see. Um, So we're able to work across all government jurisdictions, and uh, the work that we do primarily is with the communities in those seven member counties. Wow. And and that's so much. Transportation is such a huge topic. I mean, most of us, you know, we, we get in our cars or we take the bus and we don't even think about it. And it covers so much more than just vehicles and roadways, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. So when we talk about transportation, we're talking about moving people, moving goods, and then the ability to access services. So throughout the U.S., when you look at some of our roadways, they tell a story of a point in time where the focus really was more on vehicles and the ability to move vehicles quickly. Um, And then what we saw as a result was that infrastructure in many places lacked the accommodations for people who don't drive, who maybe don't have access to a vehicle, or for those who prefer to walk, bicycle, or wheel to their destinations. So what we saw over time is stark disparities um, in terms of access to opportunity and services, and this created inequitable outcomes for residents in our communities. So we're seeing a shift, um, and the shift has taken place over the past few decades. So we're now planning roadways for people versus just for vehicles and taking more of what is known as a complete streets approach to transportation planning. So when we talk about complete streets, these are streets or roadways designed and operated um, to enable safe use and support mobility for all users. 
So what this means is as streets and roadways are built or reconstructed, we're starting to see them built with accommodations like sidewalks, side paths, which are trails that are built adjacent to roadways, bike lanes, and things like that. So this doesn't mean when we talk about complete streets that every roadway is going to have all accommodations. But what this means is that we are considering all users and then thinking about as a network, how people are able to move about that network safely, seamlessly, and conveniently, regardless of their mode of transportation. I'm really glad that we're taking this on in a much broader perspective. Uh, Can you help us understand the difference between your role and the role of municipalities and counties? Yeah, absolutely. So the work we do at East Central is really done at the regional level. And generally, we develop those plans that transcend municipal boundaries. So in the planning we do, we do, especially in transportation planning, we do comprehensive, continuing, and cooperative planning. So that's known as the three C's. And many of the plans we develop are done in coordination and consultation with our communities. However, our plans are largely advisory. So what this means is we are not the agency that's implementing what's in the plan. So what we do is we rely on the communities and their own plans and the work they do to implement what we recommend in our plans. So we're really the folks that are developing and creating these region-wide visions in tandem with our communities and then relying on them to really be um, investing in the infrastructure that's being recommended. And in your work with communities, how do you support the communities you serve and work toward getting people of all abilities where they need to go, regardless of their mode of transportation? Yeah. So the plans that we develop are done in coordination with our communities. Uh, We work with our communities to understand their goals and their priorities. And then we identify these in our plans. What this does is this helps them have plans that they can reference when they're applying for federal funding or state funding opportunities. So it helps support them in implementing what they want to achieve. In getting people of all abilities where they need to go regardless of their mode of transportation, I think this is something our communities really do value. In the Fox Cities and Oshkosh area specifically, East Central Wisconsin Regional Planning Commission has a bicycle and pedestrian plan that sets forth a vision of creating a transportation network that truly supports users of our roadways. And I want to pause here just to make a really important point. When we say bicycle and pedestrian, we really mean this to be an encompassing term. So we're talking about people who walk, run, jog, people who use mobility assist devices, bicyclists of all abilities on different types of bicycles and other forms of of non-vehicular transportation. So also considering folks who are riding transit. So when we say bicycle and pedestrian, it's a really broad term that's really aimed at talking about folks who are not using motorized transportation. In addition to that bicycle and pedestrian plan that I just mentioned, uh, we provide a lot of other support around active transportation planning. So this includes conducting bicycle and pedestrian counts to help communities better understand the use of our bicycle and pedestrian facilities. We have a trail wayfinding guidebook. Um, so this is to create a cohesive plan for navigating bicyclists and pedestrians uh, throughout the trail network. And then we also recently completed an economic impact study on the impacts of our bicycle and pedestrian network within the areas of Calumet, Outagamie, Winnebago, and Fond du Lac counties. In addition to those, we also recently adopted an equitable engagement toolkit and guidebook. This really assists our staff in being proactive in ensuring that our engagement techniques around the plans we're creating are reaching all members in our communities with a focus on historically underserved populations. This guidebook can also serve as a resource for our local communities, and this is something that we're starting to see our communities and partners utilize on their own planning projects. Uh, And then finally, we can also assist in bringing communities together to discuss how to expand the bicycle and pedestrian network. And sometimes these conversations can lead to really big things. So in 2020, we worked with the Community Foundation, 
and Fox City's Greenways to host a trail summit. From this trail summit with over 65 attendees, we got to talk about gaps and barriers. We got to talk about what our communities are planning and look at where those plans can complement each other and we can really enhance those connections. And then we also encourage people to really dream big. I was actually at that trail summit in 2020, and it was just so exciting to see all those people around the table from all different areas uh, just collaborating and, like you said, dreaming big. Yeah, it was a really great opportunity to bring partners together, something that we're really hoping to revisit. And I think what people don't see is these collaborations are happening all the time, whether it's East Central being part of those collaborations or communities working together to really address some of the transportation challenges that our residents may have. And and we know there are some barriers or gaps with infrastructure today throughout the Fox Valley region. How can our communities work together more to support each other and build that infrastructure for our future? Yeah, so there are really a lot of great examples of this happening. Through the work we do at East Central, we are often bringing together our community partners to address transportation challenges and opportunities. A recent example of this is our Comprehensive Safety Action Plan, which is in the final stages of being developed. Um, But we brought our communities together to identify priority projects that would improve roadway safety along what we're calling the high injury network. So these are areas where we are seeing uh, crashes that result in serious injuries or fatalities or have the potential to result in those kinds of crashes. Uh, so once this plan is adopted, it will create that opportunity for our staff and municipal staff to look at improvements to our roadways. And we know that these improvements aren't going to happen all in one day. Um, these are going to happen over time, and like many projects will be incremental. Can you give us some examples of some of those incremental changes that we've already seen here in the Fox Valley? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as we build out our transportation network to be inclusive of all users, we know it's not going to happen all in one day or all at one time. So what happens is that we see these changes happening as those opportunities arise. So if a roadway is being reconstructed, maybe there's an opportunity to put in a bike lane or expand a sidewalk. Or as we're building a trail, maybe we have some property that we can develop that trail on now, but we need more funding or more property to really continue that trail later on. Um, But we have some really great concrete examples of this incremental change. So Loop the Little Lake, um, which is in Nina, Menasha, and the Village of Fox Crossing, is a really terrific example. So this route was expanded over time. Um, This started with a vision in the 1990s to see a rail trestle that would be able to connect Menasha to what was at the time um, the town of Menasha. Now it's the Village of Fox Crossing. Um, It took about 10 years, but after that, they were actually able to make a pedestrian bridge um, that that crosses over the lake that connects now Menasha and the village of Fox Crossing. And then between the development of that all the way to 2018, um, we saw these little changes and little connections that kept being built and connected until finally that final stage was building those trestles that connected what is now a 5K loop. So the, the other one um, that I'd like to talk about because the Community Foundation has been such a great partner in this is our connection to High Cliff. So for those who aren't familiar, what we are working on is an active transportation connection to connect the Fox Cities to High Cliff State Park. High Cliff State Park is on that northeast side of Lake Winnebago. Currently, there are some areas where people can walk or bicycle, but we are lacking that full connection to be able to use any form of transportation to get to High Cliff State Park. We do have a plan in place. So that was the first step is to bring our communities together and say, what is that vision? And then to create a master plan. And now we're working with our communities and our communities are working together to develop 
and implement that master plan. What we know is this isn't going to be one connection built at one time. So our communities are going to be seeking opportunities to continue to build out those connections, to to identify those opportunities. And we know that this is going to be a multi-phased, multi-stage, multi-year approach. Um, but it's a great example of that incremental change that is going to be happening uh, to, for that connection. Oh, it sure is. And we've got some links in our show notes today, some websites to go and check out, including a website dedicated to the High Cliff Trail Connection, and of course, to the East Central Wisconsin Regional Planning Commission and the guidebooks Kim mentioned, and the story about what that 2020 Trail Summit was all about and how it brought many voices around the table to dream big in the Fox Valley. Well, what about people in our community who need different transportation modes to accommodate a wide variety of abilities? Well, up next, the story of two local nonprofits who saw some big gaps in service and came together to do something about it. We'll be back in a moment. It's the last half of the school year. That means it's scholarship application time. The Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region has more than $1 million in scholarships available to high school seniors, college, and non-traditional students. The money comes from scholarship funds created by people, businesses, and organizations who are passionate about education. Applications are open right now. Deadlines begin mid-February. Visit cffoxvalley.org slash scholarships to learn more. The Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region connects people with the needs of the community. Our strong relationships with nonprofit organizations and our deep understanding of our community mean you can count on us to be a source for helping you make an impact that aligns with your interests. We welcome the chance to partner with you and talk with you about setting up a fund to create a legacy. Learn more at cffoxvalley.org because together we flourish. We are back, and many of us often take transportation for granted. I know I do. Living in a rural area, I depend on my car to get me everywhere, unless I wanted to take an Uber or a Lyft. And that's not an option for many people who depend on public transportation. So recently, I got to ride the Valley Transit bus for the first time since moving here 23 years ago. If you've never hopped on a bus, I highly recommend it. Did you know there was a Wisconsin survey in 2018 done by the Survival Coalition of Wisconsin Disability Organizations, and it showed that over half of respondents said that a lack of suitable public transportation limited their ability to find and keep a job. For people who don't or can't drive, these are hurdles you might not think about as we hop into our cars and scoot to our jobs and our medical appointments or get our kids where they need to go. Another recent study shows that nationally, a lack of reliable transportation access caused 5.8 million Americans to delay health care. That's according to an analysis of National Health Interview Survey data. Seniors, people with chronic illnesses or disabilities, women, and people of color faced the highest transportation burdens, the analysis found. So what's being done to close those gaps? About a year ago, two local organizations, Valley Transit and Soar Fox Cities, got together to try to figure this out. And while there's still some bumps, these two groups have come a long way in a short time to build a foundation for change. Here's that story.
Well, thank you both for joining us on the podcast. And I want to make sure our listeners can differentiate between your voices. So, Sarah, let's start with you. Please uh, introduce yourself and share what you do at Valley Transit. Hi. Yes. Welcome. It's great to be here. And at Valley Transit, I serve as mobility manager. So my job is to help overcome barriers to transportation or eliminate any barriers that exist so people can get where they need to go. Excellent. And Erin, same with you. Uh, explain what you do at Soar Fox Cities. Sure. So I uh, am Erin schultz I'm the executive director at Soar Fox Cities, and we serve uh, youth and adults living with disabilities, or as we say, varying abilities, mm-hmm. Um primarily uh, cognitive and intellectual disabilities, and we help them in all areas of their life. Uh, truly, our end goal and our mission is to help them live their best and most independent lives. All right. Well, thank you both. You know, transportation is such a complex topic, especially when we talk about meeting needs in our communities. So I really appreciate both of you giving us the lay of the land from your perspectives and sharing some of the challenges many of our listeners might not even be aware of. Uh, Erin, let's start with you. How important is uh, public transit in the work that SOAR does? Absolutely. It Public transportation is woven through many of the things that we do. And it's really from the element of that our participants or the people that we're serving that are living with disabilities depend on public transportation in many instances to get where they need to go and to get to our services. So, you know, that underlying foundation provides for their mental health, their wellness, their well-being, their community connectedness, so on and so forth. And it, it gets them out of their homes. So, you know, plus we have woven it into programs that we do that I think we'll talk about more later. Um in helping people learn how to navigate the system better, um, helping them be more connected in their communities and help them independently get out of their homes and use public transportation. And just to clarify, you uh, talk about uh, clients or people living with the differing abilities. What do we mean by that? So when we say differing abilities, we are talking about people that are primarily living with developmental or intellectual disabilities. Our services are non-diagnosis specific. um, So we just use that umbrella term. Okay. And Sarah, in your role as mobility manager, uh, your team is tasked with finding ways to meet the needs of people living with different abilities. What are some of the things Valley Transit is doing to serve people who may have uh, different challenges navigating uh, the bus system? It's a great question, but it's also a very difficult question to answer. I can imagine. (laughs) We have such a Dif- we are here to serve and we we want to be accessible to everyone in the community. Um, and of course, there's been some great strides made in the ways in which we can make accommodations. Um, specifically, someone who may look at public transportation, specifically a fixed, fixed route bus, and think that because they're in a wheelchair, they wouldn't be able to ride. But Fortunately, technology has advanced itself where our buses have ramps, they kneel to curb height, they have low floors so that anybody with um, the need to or the inability to take steps or the need to roll a wheelchair or a mobility device onto the bus, um, it's eliminated those obstacles. And then our quantum securement system is automated, which would allow someone to be able to stay and remain in their wheelchair and it automatically automatically secures them without the assistance of a bus driver. You know, uh, uh, it had been years since I rode the bus. And then last spring, I got a chance to ride with you on a Valley Transit bus and see these uh, technological advances. It was pretty neat. It is. And 
Uh, you know, but when you think of differing abilities, yeah. you know, most often people may just automatically think about physical, but there are so many. I mean, even our audible voice calling to accommodate those with sight um, barriers or uh, anxiety can be a big one. And honestly, in my in my world or in my experience uh, as a mobility manager, the two most uh, common barriers that I encounter are fear and financial. Mm. Uh, fear comes in so many ways. Uh, it, it manifests itself in so many ways. People can be afraid of how to use the fare box, fear of looking stupid, fear of not knowing where they, to get off the bus, or fear of getting lost, or the fear of missing the bus. So there, those barriers are, are true. Um, and different Different mental health um, challenges can also contribute to heighten that barrier and and make it even more uh, challenging. the The way we've overcome at Valley Transit the barrier of fear is what by offering complimentary travel training, mm-hmm. and that is that we don't have someone that just partners or rides along or is a buddy of a new rider or somebody who wants to reacclimate themselves to transportation. This is somebody who trains. They're literally teaching how to use our system, how to use the resources to help them be successful as an independent rider, and ultimately graduating them to independence. And that is um, that can take many sessions. It can take a lot of steps. It can take some intentional time. And even you know, I mentioned the anxiety, you know, just maybe even someone one time had a fear of losing their bus pass. And mm-hmm. so we gave them a little wallet sleeve that was logoed Valley Transit. And we allowed them to learn that their bus ticket has a home. And so there's just different mm-hmm. mechanisms and and means. And I guess you could say we pull out all stops to make it possible for everybody to have access to riding the bus oh, and right. using our, our resources. Excellent. Excellent. Um, question for both of you. Um, and Erin, you know this too. Not everyone is able to use Valley Transit for all their needs. And there have been some frustrations for your clients. And what are some alternatives for them? And Sarah, I'd like your opinion on this as well. Certainly. So uh, one thing I want to note is um, we have worked very closely together yes. for, I think, about the last year, yes. 18 months, we roughly. We have really been growing intentionally a yes. partnership to serve. Yeah. And yes, been very intentional about how we can work together to better serve. Um the valley in general, um, but yeah. clearly from our perspective, people living with developmental or intellectual disabilities. Um So one thing that I will say, like some alternatives that exist are like Fox Valley Cab. In some instances, there might be another like Make the Ride Happen or other cabbing organizations. Um, I know there have been a few like little one man show kind of things pop up um, specifically for people living with developmental disabilities or the aging population. Um, We rarely hear um, challenges with the fixed route bus system. Um, For many of our clients, um, some of the concerns that they bring forth for us us really are related more to the paratransit system and that's where they're experiencing the challenges so i think it's fair to valley transit to make sure that we're talking about these are two separate things um both public transportation um but two separate types of public transportation and sarah correct me if there's a better way to say that um but I think it's important to know that that's where more of the challenges that we hear are coming from is from that paratransit system. Gotcha. Okay. And I think, Aaron, you said that perfectly. I mm-hmm. couldn't say it better other than just to 
for our audience sake, describing what our paratransit service is and mm-hmm. what it looks like. And um, so it is uh, where we are required by law uh, to provide but uh, basically transportation for anybody who lives within three quarters of a mile of a fixed route bus route. And this qualification to be eligible for this service is basically to be they have to be applied and they have to certify and to certify as someone eligible to use what what is VT2. Um, and for the community that would see little white vans driving around, they yes. would they would recognize the VT2 logo. And that is that is our paratransit service. Uh, to certify for that service, you have to have a disability that prohibits you from being able to ride the fixed route bus. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, and I used the wheelchair example earlier, there's a perception that if a medical disability has been deemed, that that automatically qualifies them as a disability that would prohibit them from riding the fixed route bus. Well, I just gave you a perfect example about why a wheelchair would not prohibit you from riding the fixed route bus. Mm-hmm. And so... So those are so so that that service isn't available to everybody but it is available to everyone who has a certified disability. And let's be clear, there are people who just cannot ride the bus. Um whether it is a physical ability, it could be geography, it could be it could be streets. Um, we're looking out the window today at a rain and 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 thunderstorm. You know, that could really be a big barrier. Seasons. We live in Wisconsin. So, <laughs> oh mercy, we we have plenty you know of barriers <laughs> with the cold weather and you know, you think about a a a, a frail individual who would be subject to those extreme temperatures. It's it's just unrealistic. So, this service also provides for conditional use. When the fixed route bus isn't an option, but primarily, and I would I would say the the clients of SOAR are are primarily eligible for and benefit mm-hmm. from our our fixed our paratransit VT two service. Oh. Well, and I want to go back to what you both had said about, and especially Aaron, uh, you had talked about you know this relationship building that you've done uh, with each other is really kind of new. It's a it's a year old, um, and that is so fantastic to hear. What have you learned from each other? Uh, can you give some examples? Absolutely, I think. You know, for us, one of the the biggest takeaways are, you know, knowing and having a better understanding of like the nuances to using both systems, the fixed route system and the paratransit system. Um, things that you know maybe they're buried deep in manuals that we're not going to read unless you know we can't sleep at midnight or something to that respect. Um, and we're reading them to put ourselves right. to sleep. Um, you know, but there are nuances to using the system that might be buried there. But there are also nuances to the system that are like institutional knowledge. So they're not necessarily written and they can't be because there's so much of it written in a brochure or written in a manual. Um, those nuances, you know, those are that's information that we've learned and that we can pass along to our participants to make their user experience far better. Um, and there are also things that we can take into consideration for programming. Um you know, the knowing the drop off window for Valley Transit and how we adjust programming around that if, in fact, we can adjust programming around that. Mm. And, you know, in some instances, it's been, well, who is the right person to call if there's an issue and things like that? Um, I think for us, it's been a great learning experience in that respect. It's also, if I can say, like Sarah and Valley Transit in whole have been really great about receiving the, the issues that have been brought to them through us. Um, 
I know in a lot of respects, you know, our parents, our families, our individuals, they know us. Many of them have been with us for many, many years. So they come to us with those things because they feel safe about it. And, you know, Valley Transit has been really great about receiving those things and hearing those things when we talk about, like, this is the experience that people have brought to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, to give a specific example, um, there is actually a manual out there we could all read at midnight to put ourselves to sleep. It's called <laughs> the ADA Circular, and I have access to it. But I'll be borrowing that later. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 heady. Let's just say that. But um, one of the things written in there to to come to summarize in plain English is that our paratransit or VT two has to operate. Uh, what we would say. Com- comparably to or complement our fixed route bus service. So a lot of times, uh, you know, you've got individuals who think, well, I need assistance getting to the van and in the van and out of the van and delivered safely to my stop. Well, if you think about the bus service, our bus drivers don't go to your door, knock on it, escort you to the bus, wait for you to take your seat, get you to your destination, and then deliver you to your door at your, you know, you're at the curb, you're ready to be picked up and you go. And then when you get to your destination, you exit and you're, you're independent again. And because of the various net levels of need within the community that paratransit or VT2 would serve, um, you know, the expectations are higher or the demand is greater. And it's just not a service we can offer, um, especially at the low cost that we offer it because we're we're trying to meet the masses. We're trying to be available to everybody. So we've got scheduling demands. We've got pickup times. We've got drop-off times. And Aaron alluded to a pickup window. And, you know, because the van is ping-ponging all over town, it's not on a schedule that where there's a absolute time point where you can be expecting your ride. Okay. We give a window of 15 minutes before the pickup time that you reserved and 15 minutes after the pickup time you reserved, which for that Rider means 30 minutes of standing basically ready. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that van comes and they set a timer for five minutes. And if somebody's not ready to board that van or have someone there to assist uh, to get them on or off, they, they got to move on because they're basically putting somebody else's trip in jeopardy. And and those are the ways that Aaron and I have been intentional to figure out, how, okay, this isn't perfect. And there are people who are falling in the gaps what what does that look like and how can we help? And to Aaron's point, uh, people co- are coming to them and, and reporting these discrepancies or these gaps or these challenges, these barriers. And then we're working it out the best we can within the scope of what the system would allow. Yeah. And to that point, I was going to say, I know many of our conversations have been, you know, with respect to valley transit i mean you have lines within which you have to color we do as as the type of organization that you are and soar has lines within which we need to color but they can be looser i mean there's because we're not a government agency there are different things that we can do different services that we can look at different opportunities gaps in services and how we address them and i mean that was when we started the conversation i think that's what i said i was like listen like to some respect it's not working well but that's okay. I mean, like, we get it that you guys are doing everything that you can do. So how is it that we can fill in in those gray areas that Valley Transit can't? 
Um, you know, and that's been a lot of our conversation is how do we get creative in solving these challenges? And I think it's a work in progress. It is a work in progress. And, and that's what is so valuable about this relationship. It's not sore having to succumb to what's not working. And I guess, find alternatives and give up altogether, or it's us coming to the table to figure out wh- what can we do. And, you know, I we have a paratransit coordinator within our office who mm-hmm. oversees that specific program. And, you know, my job is to overcome barriers, but to be able to to direct and guide and come alongside of Soar Fox Cities and, and uh, just pointing her in the right direction to get the answers she needs or understanding the ways we can be more nimble if that's possible we want to do it, you know, find a way, make a way. Um, ultimately, people need to get out of their homes. Yeah. We want to not pr- prevent people from accessing programming, having social connectedness, and and being able to just live independently mm-hmm. when without the resources available, they couldn't. Yeah. Uh, it, it, we're making a difference. Yes. And I think that's what makes us determined. Mm-hmm. Uh, wherever there is a challenge, we want to get some solution. And even if it's not ideal or can't be accommodated, um, you know, Aaron's the voice to that customer and I can bring at least pull, just figuring it out, you know, the, putting the puzzle piece together. There's got to be an answer here somewhere. And if there's not, then Sora can adapt. Yeah. And I mean, and I think that's the that's the really cool. Again, I'll reiterate, like that is the great thing about our partnership is the fact that I, it really is based on, uh, okay, you know, here's your, like, this is your dance space. Yeah. This is my dance space. And where does that overlap or where does it, where do we need to make it overlap so we can make these services operate even better or meet the needs? Um, I will reiterate again, like I, Valley Transit does everything that they can. And this is the cool part of this relationship is just how do we, what more can we do in our dance space individually to come together better? Well, and it's so encouraging to hear the progress that's been made and the impact that you're actually, you're having an impact on lives in the Fox Valley. And that is a, a big win for all of us in the community. So thank you for doing that. Uh, I, I do want to ask about funding because I know that both of you have said in the past that if you could wave a magic wand, uh, there would be enough funding to bridge those gaps in infrastructure and make transportation more accessible for all. Funding has really been a challenge, hasn't it, for both of you? Yes, it has been the greatest barrier. Honestly, every solution to every problem in transportation is lack of money. Um, We are a taxpayer funded system. There's really no more taxpayers out there raising their hand to pay more for public services. Um, We, you know, we've got nine contributing municipalities to make our service run. And we've, we, uh, you know, are given the grants and all of the subsidies we can possibly be awarded for the benefit of keeping costs down uh, and just maximizing the services needed based on the demands of our community. And unfortunately, it goes well beyond just our ability to provide services. Um, there's a lot of great things happening in this community around bike ped paths, safe yes. crosswalks, um, curb cuts for people with this for disabilities, you know, just the accessibility component. But the reality is that all comes down to money. And where do you prioritize improving bus service and frequency and and maybe better accommodations in the services we provide? Or do we provide better access to even get to the current system we have? Mm-hmm. So that's a little vision or perspective from my side, but I'm 
Aaron, I can only imagine where money would benefit you. Yes. I mean, you know, funding is it is that that root of things that yeah. if we could find that proverbial money tree, yeah. um, <laughs> I mean, we could, I think, collectively in this room, solve a lot of world issues yes, if, if funding were not an issue. And but the reality is, is that funding in some way, shape or form is always going to be a challenge, um, you know, and for us, from our perspective, yeah, it would be amazing to to know where if we had unlimited resources, how we could subsidize this partnership or subsidize what it is that we do. Um, I think to Sarah's point, it also comes down to prioritization. And it is that that choice between are we prioritizing access to or are we needing to prioritize other things over um you know, that access. And sometimes it is not an easy answer. Mm -hmm. You know, um, money or not, uh, I know that both of you have um, dreams and plans for the future here in the Fox Valley with transportation, uh, meeting needs, anything you'd like to share about something that might be in the works? I don't, I think like looking towards the future, for us, it's continuing to strengthen this partnership Mm -hmm. um, in the immediate moment and continuing to have the really candid conversations that we have been able to have and been able to build. And, you know, it's the mutually respect of VT's voice and SOAR and our participants' voice and bringing those together at the table and continuing to figure out how we solve the problem, you know, or how it's not even a problem. It's how we continue to make the service better um, and how we continue to support each other in serving the communities. You know, I know that that is our immediate focus is continuing those candid conversations because I don't before this um, and even before my tenure with SOAR, I don't know how candid those conversations always were. Um, So I think sometimes I think that is actually built up to some of maybe the complaints and things that we hear as well and the concerns and issues. And you know what? I love the fact that we can have these conversations and talk about the experience and talk about, you know, how we can use that to be better. Yeah. I feel very fortunate that Valley Transit had a vision to put my role in place four years ago, specifically to be the human side of an inhuman system. Um, we, we are fortunate. And I'm a part of a network of mobility managers across the state of Wisconsin. And we are looked at as the envy of the state because of the resources we offer and the system we have and the way we are able to serve our community. But at the same time, um, you know, to be able to to work with with community organizations across the community uh, and just education is my favorite part of the role is helping people to better understand the limitations to your question specifically amy what's coming um i guess it, it plays right into the the education i'm trying to bring to the community which is ride the bus you know, experience the value we offer. View the riders. Who is using public transportation and what are the barriers that they're encountering? Um, I When I first started in my role, I thought, I felt we had to go everywhere. Like we need to have bus service to Greenville and to the airport and out to the, you know, better service in Calumet County. And, and I just thought more was better. Mm-hmm. I've since become a greater advocate for frequency, taking what we have and doing what we have better, having our routes every 15 minutes to a half hour as opposed to every hour. Um, there's That's a barrier in and of itself that somebody is trying to get 
multiple stops and and chores and errands and activities in a day and and the the system just isn't conducive for that which also makes finding alternatives uh, a big reason why my role exists so um i i i just encourage people who maybe think that public transportation is for other people to to take a ride yeah. and and see it for yourself and then help us be better I can honestly say one of my most urgent dreams for what would make the greatest difference is we have a driver shortage. Part of the reason we're, we aren't operating as efficiently as we'd like to, both in our fixed route service as well as all of our ancillary services, is that we, we need to hire. We need more people today. And that would be one of the biggest ways I think we could do better sooner. Um, and money being a, a restriction, we've actually put out a, a bonus, a hiring bonus for for our drivers so we can attract people who are basically road ready. They've got their CDL license with their P status ratings and they can get in that bus seat in short time. We're willing to train somebody who has no experience, but at the same token, um, just the, the urgency is is creating us to really put our, our priority into into getting more people to serve our community and it takes a special person to do it. It really does. And, you know, I, to your points, both of you, um, I will, in addition to our, our uh, links to your services uh, in our program notes, so we'll, we'll make sure that we uh, put the link to uh, the area where people can maybe go and apply uh, mm. to be a driver. So uh, we'll, we'll help you out there. Uh, as we close, is there anything else that you would like to share that maybe I haven't asked you about and you just, you, you really want our listeners to know? One thing that I would share, and this couples with what Sarah talked about, is just using the resource of travel training. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is something that we have worked more into the conversations that we have with families. You know, if people bring forth uh, a gap in service or a need with regard to transportation and maybe that fear or unknowing of how to use public transportation, um, I'm pretty sure I sent an email earlier this week that I said, well, have they looked into travel training for the bus system in learning how to access it better and making sure that, you know, people are using that resource because it is truly an amazing resource as an organization. We use it. Um, Pretty regularly now, um, we have staff that are leading participants through travel training alongside um, Sarah and her colleague. Um, but to the community, too, like, use the resource. It's an amazing one. Um, and to that point, if you are a person living with a disability and you're maybe you need someone else trusted with you to use the resource, I mean, that is something SOAR can possibly do. You know, we are part of our role is as an advocate, you know, and if that is easing a concern or helping to reduce that fear, I mean, we can serve as that bridge and we are happy to do so if it yeah. means that you're living a more independent and empowered life. Excellent. I would say, you know, thank you for the compliment and the shout out on travel training because that's awesome. And our, our travel trainer is bilingual and that also serves a barrier that we encounter often. But I want to commend Aaron and Soar for taking the time to sit down and understand what our limitations are. And the way the, the partnership began was Aaron rode the bus with us and she asked great questions and identified with the people who potentially could benefit from using our fixed route system in lieu of having the inconveniences that come along with VT2 that they encounter. And just, you know, being 
being a great representation of the organization and their constituents because they do need advocates. And uh, there is a lot of misunderstandings and confusion and compliance issues and things that that we just we we just have brought the human side to making our community a better place. And I'm just grateful for that. And I'm grateful for you, Amy, for giving us a chance to share that we're doing we're 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 making it happen. Mm-hmm. One day at a time, one rider at a time, and uh one barrier at a time. All right. And I appreciate both of you for coming in and sharing this this uh, fantastic information and about your relationship. May it continue to uh, bloom and result in additional solutions, which I know it will. Uh, but thank you both for coming. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. As we wrap up this episode, there's so much more to talk about around the transportation topic. And with even more solutions just over the horizon, it's going to be a frequent topic here on the podcast, so stay tuned for updates. We've got links to all the resources we talked about today, and you can find them by going to cffoxvalley.org slash podcasts. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe to get all of our episodes delivered to you. We'll see you next time on Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region.